Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the federal government plans to spend $100 billion to boost the economy. Some of the measures, uh, a down payment, if you will, on that plan are announced today, uh, such as the job training, such as the home retrofits. Uh, so that that work is already beginning. New funding is announced for several sectors, but not Canada's airline industry. They have not put in place the help to sectors that are in need. I think about the aerospace and workers of the airline industries. And calls for a stronger commitment to a national childcare plan. Truly bringing in universal childcare and not just sending it back to committee and for conversation yes, yet again. A real plan for completing our social safety net. It's Tuesday, December 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk about the spending side of this economic statement first. Uh, we we know that this is a record year for uh, federal deficits, uh, and now the government is talking about spending more money to bolster the economy when the pandemic is over. Uh, is there a limit to how much the government can spend, and, and what happens when, if and when there is a day of reckoning for all of this? Will there have to be cuts? Uh, yeah, I think... I think the government is signaling that uh, it is not in the mood for cuts of any kind for quite a while. I think this is a very expansive and extensive, uh, in, not just in, in terms of money, but in terms of time. Had there not been a second wave of COVID, it's interesting to wonder what would have been in here. But there are two phases to the spending that's going on right now in government, as they made clear, there is the immediate sort of shock troops of, uh, of dollars that are going out there right now and, and for the foreseeable future. And then, as you said, there's this, um, this $100 billion that is intended to prime the economy once things are um, going again. And the reason I'm pausing over that is because what I found so interesting, what I wrote about yesterday, is what is left blank in this. And I think what we're seeing here is there are many men to be filled in, in terms of what the government is going to do. I tried to count up all the phrases that was details to follow uh, more soon, uh, you know, promises of negotiation. And I think that's because what we're seeing here is a political tool and a public policy instrument, as they like to say. Um, the gov- this is a minority government that has to survive until the next budget. So much has been put off budget, and the, the things that have to be negotiated are things primarily, I would think, with the New Democrats who have been uh, helping prop up the government a bit. Uh, so that's why we're seeing so many details to follow in the budget, because this is a this is a, a document that is intended to say, look, we're going to do more, but later, but we have to talk to our people in in um, we have to talk to people in the opposition parties first. Yeah, and let's talk about a couple of those things because uh, national child care strategy is something that's been talked about for a long time. There are allusions to it here, but uh, but nothing concrete. Again, in the category of, we'll talk more later about this, I guess, right? Right. 
and that's because uh, I, I think they're, the government is working flat out right now on emergency aid and is not in a position. Although you would think, as you said, as long as I've been around Ottawa, and that's a very long time, we've been talking about national child care programs. And, uh, but this is a big demand from the NDP. It has been made so apparent through this pandemic, the importance of childcare, the importance of learning, not just for the children themselves, but so their parents can be out in the workforce. And it's been uh, preventing some people from going back into the workforce because of childcare. So uh, we're seeing, we're going to see an acute discussion on that, but the government is saying, yes, let's, let's wait and have that. We're collecting up advice and ideas uh, and so on. So, uh, there's a secretariat now. Uh, everything in the um, build back better column of this uh, this economic statement. You know the the kind of Canada that's going to be fixed after the pandemic. That's all in the that's on the to do list for later. Uh, not uh, not right now. Yeah, and it's interesting because the government seems to be signaling that manage our way through a crisis this year and spend uh, unexpectedly huge sums of money on on the pandemic and the response to it. But at the same time, it's saying when this is over, we're still going to invest a lot of money in in forming the kind of of Canada that we want with the with the structure, the social infrastructure, and the physical infrastructure that we want. Despite the fact that we will have emptied the bank and then some during this pandemic. That's very true, and it, this is going to be a very polarized discussion. Uh, the government believes, though, that uh, that it has the support of most Canadians on this progressive agenda. It believes most Canadians voted uh, for progressive-minded parties in the last election and will so in the future election. And the government's, I think, attempt is to corner the market on this. They are gambling, uh, rightly or wrongly, on the idea that right now paying down debt and thinking about deficits is beyond um, the bandwidth of Canadians who are struggling just to get through the holidays, let alone uh, the end of COVID. So despite all the money that is being uh, spent to shore up different parts of the economy, to respond to industries that have been hard hit, the airline industry is still asking for help and so far hasn't gotten any beyond what's there for all companies in general. Uh, what's the latest on that, and, and why do you think it's taking a little longer than the airline industry would like? I think Ottawa's towing uh, a hard line on this one as well. But the theme of the pandemic relief, and I'm sure we've talked about it on this show too, is help individuals, not companies. Uh, that that the, the whole idea is, and, and this is the lessons from the 2008 crash, was that uh, the lessons learned in there was that uh, all that money that was thrown at corporations or businesses uh, didn't really help individual Canadians. So that's the, that's the philosophy going into this too. And you're seeing that the government is setting down conditions for the airlines of you have to refund those travelers, uh, not just give them credits. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's actually a, a bit of an epic battle between individuals and businesses in terms of where the government's relief um, hat is is on right. It's uh, 
I, I think the negotiations are still going on. It's been, you, you notice it was very careful to say we're helping out regions and airports. Um, think small, but not big. All right, let's talk about the prospect of a first minister's meeting in about 10 days. Uh, what are some of the dynamics going into this? The prime minister has been speaking regularly with the provincial and territorial premiers over the course of this pandemic, of course. Uh, but uh, what what do you think is going to be on the agenda and, and what will be some of the, the tensions and opportunities from this gathering? This is, again, one of those blanks in the economic statement that's really fascinating. There, the, the premiers have been quite clear about what they want from this prime minister. They want lots more money, lots and lots more money for health care. I went to the uh, press conference at the Shadow Laurier that they they held uh, in September to make this point, uh, the the premiers. Uh, there's nothing in there. There's nothing in the economic statement about that yet. The prime minister has scheduled December 10th for a meeting on this subject. So I I think we may see something, some wiggle room there. Also, the federal government inserted a not insignificant piece into the economic saying that uh, $1 billion is going to go to long-term care, which is the provincial responsibility, and that they're going to have a conversation about national standards. So that could be the horse trading you see on December 10th is, look, we'll give you more money for health care, but we're going to talk about national standards for long-term care. It will be it will be a health care-focused meeting, but the uh, DDS made very clear yesterday that it's going to be... Um, it's going to be a very stormy meeting. All right. It'll be interesting to watch the lead up to that and the event itself. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. I thought it was important to let people know today that those fiscal guardrails would be in place to guide our work. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, Paul Wells argues the fall economic update is a trust exercise. Wells writes, Christia Freeland repeated several times that the spending spree won't go on forever, but anyone looking for hints about how it will be brought to a halt will be disappointed. There are vague references to guardrails and an anchor. The guardrails Freeland defined, loosely enough, as to make them meaningless. Spending will end when this government thinks it's time to spend less. The anchor is undefined entirely. Freeland will tell us later she promises. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne considers the transparency of the economic statement. Coyne writes, This is less an economic statement than a promissory note, written in pencil. All sorts of things are hinted at, foretold, pledged, or assured, but almost all of it is pushed off into the future, including a decent guess as to how much any of it is going to cost. Nothing is certain, not even the uncertainty. Everything is vague, especially the clear bits. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. You probably couldn't choose a more opportune time or subject for a conference as the annual Canadian Immunization Conference gets underway. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the conference is being held virtually this year, of course, because of COVID, but it will bring together about 800 leaders in the field of immunization from across Canada. Health Minister Patty Haidu will give the opening address. Also taking part will be some familiar names because of the pandemic, including the Canada Health Agency's Dr. Theresa Tam. Also taking part will be speakers working with the World Health Organization and the Johns Hopkins University School of Public Health. 
Obviously, the topic of vaccination and the development of vaccines to deal with COVID-19 will be on both the official agenda as well as the talk of everyone present. But they'll also be discussing issues which Canada's political and public health leaders are seized with these days, including vaccine hesitancy, distrust of immunization, scientific misinformation, and of course, international cooperation in developing and making accessible vaccines to save lives. Mark, as you said, you could not pick a more timely topic and conference. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will hold a news conference to talk about COVID-19 and the fall economic statement. This afternoon, he'll attend question period. And the Senate Committee on National Finance will hear from Treasury Board President Jean-Yves Duclos. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, December the 1st. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.